Welcome to this episode of Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose with Ellen Barton, where you'll hear thought-provoking discussion, inspirational stories, and get action tips for creating the life of your dreams. Hello, and welcome to Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose, a weekly podcast in which we talk about the secrets behind living the life you've always dreamed of. I'm Ellen Barton, and today my guest is Carol Miller, who is known by many as Cece, or I've also heard her referred to as the hug lady. Carol is a coach. She's a speaker. She's a global leader for positive change. She founded a nonprofit called Positive Focus, and she's one of the people driving the free hugs movement. In fact, her annual worldwide free hug event now reaches six continents, 44 countries, and 29 states, which is incredible. Carol, I wish I could give you a hug right now, but welcome to the show. Thank you, and I'll take a virtual hug. So, so oh, thank you. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, Carol, you call yourself, among other things, a positivity consultant. So what is that? Well, it's really because I do, I mean, I do a lot of training on positivity, but I do marketing as well. And really, the consulting part is just to help people reframe what is going on in their lives, because we all face challenges and we all face things that make us sad. So um, my my purpose is to help reframe it, to bring a little light to it, to bring a little love to it, and to see how our challenges really do help catapult us to what we do want. Oh, that's great. And, and who doesn't need that, you know, a little bit more light and love. I, <laughs> I like yeah. that. Um, how did you get started on this whole journey of spreading positivity? Because your movement has grown pretty large now. How did, how did this whole thing start? It's really interesting because so many people, when they've started on a new path, something dramatic took place to create that space for it. I don't have a really um, rags to riches story as far as that. I've certainly been a positive person the majority of my life. However, it used to be more positive towards other people, and I wasn't necessarily that positive for myself. But in 2006, my father passed away, and I started taking some courses on science of mind and just um, really getting a bigger comprehension of life in general. And that really spurred me on as when I realized the power of our mind and uh, being able to focus on what we want rather than focusing on what we don't want, especially when the don't want might be right in front of us. Um, that was what led me to create Positive Focus, is I wanted to teach and um, let people know of our, the power of our thoughts. Yeah, and they really are. I mean, I think it's something, There, there is a subset of the population that's aware of that and, and kind of um, lives in that world, but many people don't even know what that means. So can you just explain that a little bit more, maybe illustrate um, how thoughts can actually result in, um, you know, things coming to you or, you know, good or bad? Certainly. And I think it's important to know because, I mean, like I teach law of attraction and so many people think law of attraction is focusing on getting the good things. Well, law of attraction um, is neutral. So if I'm focusing on, you know, one example is I get out of bed and I stub my toes in the morning. So it sets me off in a negative frame of mind from the get-go. 
So then all of a sudden that person in traffic who has gotten in front of me the day before might not have bothered me, but today, because I've already set into motion, focusing on what I don't want, I'm going to be more irritated by it. So an example for me would be, we, we all want to be loved. We all want to be seen and heard and connected. Yet if we listen to what we say, we're not focusing on the love we see in the world. We're focusing on the fear we see in the world. We're not focusing on the people we're connected to. We're focusing on the people we're disconnected with. So it's really about using what you don't want as a springboard to remind you what you do want. So if this doesn't feel good to me, and it really goes back to the feelings, I'm a very... Um, word sensitive person so I try to focus on using kind compassionate and soft gentle words because those words feel good to me so it really goes back to the more you're aware of how you feel the more you can move forward to feeling a little bit better or feeling a lot better it really depends on the circumstance uh, I, I'm a big believer in not saying always or never but I do say never beat yourself up because that just keeps you stuck in that um, lower vibrational feeling of not feeling good. Yeah, that's a really good rule. And I was just having a conversation with somebody today about that and about how typically we are making the best decisions that we can make at the time, given the information we know. You know, we were talking about hindsight and oh I wish I would have done this five years ago oh I wish I would have known and of course it's impossible you know and, and we typically most of us are doing the best we can with what we knew or what the circumstances allowed at the time well and I think with that Ellen it's not only impossible it's improbable like I'm not a big believer in regret are there things I've done in my life that I would not want to relive or redo certainly but every experience, the, the great ones and the less than stellar ones, have brought me to who I am today. So if I was ready to know that five years ago, I wouldn't be who I am today. I could possibly be just as good or maybe I'm not, uh, I don't want to compare people, but maybe you could think it's even better because I knew earlier. But, it, you know, we all learn what we need to learn in the right time. Yeah, we do. And it gives us this almost richness or it's almost like we're weaving the tapestry of our lives, you know, yeah. and it it is necessary. And and for part of my evolution has been to very much uh, almost welcome the possibility of failure because it's not a bad thing. You know, maybe maybe I'll try something and it'll work out great or maybe it won't and I'll learn something. You know, it's it's made me a lot more open to trying things. Well, and even that, the learning something, it may also be honing in on what you want. So you might try, you know, if you're coaching or something, maybe this is the audience you think you should be coaching. And then the more you learn, it's like, that's, that's not a, a perfect fit for me or whatever. So it's not failure that, that it didn't work out. But you're now able to use that experience. It's like, okay, this isn't exactly what I want. What do I want? So it really um, helps heighten and um, continue to grow what you are wanting. I think that that's what I use for contrast all the time. If we didn't have 
contrast in our lives, I really do think we would start taking the good times for granted. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. You know, in fact, I was having another conversation today with the same person, and it it was about that too, because we were saying that there are things, we both have kids, and we were saying that with our kids, um, you know, there have been things we wish we could have helped them out more with certain things, or we wish you know, maybe this could be better for them or whatever. But actually, at the end of the conversation, we both kind of concluded that we didn't, in fact, wish that because the kids were getting such great lessons from having to figure it out. And, you know, isn't isn't that better? Whether it's better or not better, I mean, that's a it's a slippery slope because you do, especially your kids, you know, you want to protect them. But really, it is a good opportunity for them to learn and grow and figure out and um, teach them skills on moving forward into adulthood, how they're going to, to handle a situation that is of, of not what they're looking for. So it's, it's, you know, it's that fine line on when do you step in or when do you let them handle it? And it's, it's different for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And with you, so you get hired to help people and you mentioned um, some kind of business applications. What, what kind of other people, Um, do you work with? Generally, I work with women and um, they're going through um, some type of change, whether a transition, whether it's a relationship or a job. But at the end of the day, anyone I work with, it ends up going back to self-worth and to focus on that they deserve the life that they want. So we do some exercises on that and dive deep into appreciation and appreciate the challenges that we may currently be going through. And I, I suspect just like you or any of your listeners, you know, 10 years ago, you went through a challenge that in the moment of the challenge, you did not know how you were going to get through it, but you did get through it. And not only did you get through it, but often on the other side, you're like, oh, that's why that happened. So it's a good reminder for people. It's like, if you're in a challenge right now, there's if it's a lesson, if you want to call it a lesson learned, um, I, I prefer just it's an experience uh, that you're going to see the reason of what it was in there for you to help grow a new part of you. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And a lot of times it's it's faster than 10 years. You know, I, I uh, often think to myself, if I am in a challenge, wow, you know, is this going to matter in six months or in a month or in a week? Um, and that's helpful, too. I guess what I meant by that is it did not take you 10 years to learn that lesson. But we've all had in our past, whether it was a year ago, six months ago, 10 years ago, a challenge that we went through. And on the other side of that challenge was able to see the blessing and gift in the challenge. Probably a challenge you don't want to repeat, but you're still able to pull that nugget out of Um, Like I could think of challenges that I've had in the past with other businesses or business partners, and um, it allowed me to grow in confidence to know exactly what was right for me rather than what wasn't right for me. And without going through that experience, I would not be able to make decisions as quickly that feel right for me than I did, you know, maybe five years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I I 100% get it and agree with you. That's absolutely true. And it's interesting, it's universal, you know, that everybody has these experiences and, and usually realizations, too. Um, that doesn't mean it's easy going through the challenges, but it is good to know that uh, you do come out the other side eventually. 
Well, and I think that's such a great point too, um, Ellen, because so many people, when I talk about choices, they're like, it's not easy. I'm like, I just said it was a choice. I did not say it was an easy choice. And some of our quote unquote best choices are our hardest choices, but um, pretty much everything we go through is a choice. You know, the world is going to present things that are out of our control, but we have a choice on how we react to them and how we move through them. And so that's the work that I kind of do. It's like, I can't stop an earthquake from happening. I can't stop um, different, you know, uh, economic downturn or something like that. But I can focus on what I want rather than focusing on what is happening that I don't want. So it's really working with um, people on tools on how to move through um, those types of challenges. That sounds very powerful and empowering, you know, so then you're not a victim of the circumstance. Right. Yeah, I love that. And it's very easy. I mean, I I don't want to play light on some challenges that we go through. I mean, because there are some really serious and hard things to get through. So it's not uncommon, and I wouldn't even begin to tell people not to go there. Sometimes when you have an experience, you, you are in victim mode, and you get to decide how long that victim mode lasts. It could be a few hours, a few days, a few weeks, months, you know, depending on the severity of what you just faced. So, you know, we have all of our emotions for a reason, and the more we allow them to flow through us and then start reaching for a better feeling thought. I remember years ago, because like I mentioned, you know, I'm a fairly positive person. If you would have met me 10 years ago and came to me, Ellen, saying, oh, life is, sucks and I really hate it and this is going on, I would say, life is good, be happy. But if you're in a really bad space in your life, you can't see happy. So... Most people, when I would have said be happy, they're you know probably wanting to hit me because they can't even see it. Right. So it's really taking small steps forward to be happy. If you're in depression, whether it's um, whether it's a situational depression or if it's a chemical depression or whatever, you, you you're not in a place to see what joy looks like. So you would want to start slowly working towards it, and then that decision is a choice moment by moment, day by day, on how long it takes you to get to happiness. There isn't a set time frame. You start depression and in 30 days I can make you happy. But I I can give you the tools to start working on seeing um, the opportunity, the possibility of being happy. Mm, That makes sense. And as so as you work with other people, you're also, um, you know, continually evolving yourself uh, in your your personhood. And um, I guess it was about nine years ago, you decided to go outside of your comfort zone and start giving these free hugs, right? It was way out of my comfort zone. It's so interesting because as you said, people know me now as the hug lady. So people like I have some friends who join me for global free hug and they are huggers. Like it was always who they were. So joining me was not reaching out of their comfort zone. So people think because I am a hugger now that it was easy for me the first time. And I was terrified. And I still can get into that space a little bit. Um, If I go out by myself, I had this feeling. And here I've been doing it for nine years. So that's why I want people to know that just because you're working on it and aware of it doesn't mean it goes completely away. 
when I'm out hugging by myself, I get the feeling that people will feel sorry for me and give me a hug. Whereas if I'm with two or three other people, then I feel like I'm being of service giving hugs. And it's so interesting to me because I immediately go there. Now, I have the tools to switch it and be okay with it. But I do immediately step into the little girl in me rather, rather than the empowering woman in me. Oh, interesting. Well, it's a, the whole life is a, pro, is, a, is a process of, you know, evolution and, and growth, right? We're all, we're all working on ourselves. Yes. Um, yeah. What, so what, so like, kind of like walk us through what do these free hug things look like and what possessed you to want to do that in the first place? Uh, so it was in 2008 that I decided to, I had really, a positive focus became a nonprofit in 2009, but I had started the idea in two, late 2007 and just doing some local events in Chicago. And I had seen um, the original free hug video on YouTube, which has, I don't remember, like 77 million views now. And it was posted in 2006, I believe. And I'd watch it so many times and I would usually tear up because it just shows the connection of the importance of seeing people. And I thought this just seemed aligned to what positive focus is about and what we should do. So I set out to do a hug event once a month through 2008 and that would be it. And in January, we did our first one outside of Navy Pier, which is right on Lake Michigan. It was snowing and it was cold. I had to sign a protest form. We weren't allowed inside. And I was—I had, I don't remember now, I believe there was like five other um, people who joined me for doing it. There were not a lot of people out um, that day, but we did give hugs and the smiles that came from it. And you could just see that it really lit people up just to be acknowledged and seen. So I, I moved it to a area in Chicago downtown that is, almost always has a lot of foot traffic and people loved it so much we started doing it twice a month and then sometime in the summer of 2008 I thought what would it be like to have people hugging around the world so I just started emailing different people I I wasn't even on Facebook a positive focus was not on Facebook until 2009 and so I started hugging uh, emailing people and getting people to join and just the stories my own personal stories along with the stories that people have shared with me from around the world, I just, it became very clear to me that a hug was a very simple gesture to let people know that they matter. And um, for your listeners, I want to remind them, it, it's free hugs. It's simply standing out on a street, a public street, hopefully with foot traffic, otherwise you're just standing there asking yourself for a hug. And you're asking people if they want a hug. You can either say it or you just hold your sign and they they come to you. So if it's somebody who's not comfortable with hugs, they're not going to come to you. Um, one of the things that I like the most about it is I, I found, I used to think a good hug was a bear hug. And I absolutely love them. But I realized that people who barely put their arm around me and maybe even just kind of touched my shoulder that they had to come so far out of their comfort zone, even to do that, I realized was really, really an amazing hug. Where before I would have thought, oh, they don't know how to hug. And it's, it's really, um, for me, it's about witnessing people and letting them know they matter. And some of the stories I've had, it's it just been 
they keep reminding me why I do what I do. Mm. Are there any other stories you could share with us as an example? Certainly. So one was an elderly woman a couple of years ago. I mean, elderly that probably 80s, 90s was, you know, crunched over and came up and she had tears in her eyes. And her husband had just died two weeks prior. And so she told me that she missed his hugs. So we kind of cried together when we hugged. I, I had a gentleman after the fact, like I did not know it at the time, email that he had been sober for 10 years and was having a really hard time at work and was planning to go to the bar that night after work or afternoon. And he saw the, us out hugging and he got a hug from each one of us and he decided not to go to the bar. Um, oh. so, those, so those are a couple of the powerful ones. I mean, I've hugged people who are getting married and their birthdays. I've hugged people in sorrow who have lost their jobs or, you know, lost a loved one. Uh, another powerful one was um, a couple years ago when the Eric Garner police brutality in New York took place. And there was a protest here in Chicago and hundreds and hundreds of people were walking past us on the street with their arms up saying, arms up, I can't breathe. And there were dozens and dozens of police officers in the area, you know, maintaining peace for this peaceful march. And after they all walked by, three officers came through the line and got a hug. And they thanked us for being there. And you could just see it in their eyes that they aren't the officers out there that are doing these horrific things that are making people judge all police officers. Um, so that was really powerful. And then um, one of the ones for the global, the very first year, two young girls in Mexico City signed up to join me. And after they emailed me and they apologized, they're like, I'm sorry, we weren't able to do it. We stood outside in Mexico City for 90 minutes with our signs and nobody hugged us. And she's like, our, our city is um, very dangerous. And, and they, she again apologized. And I told her, I'm like, no, you didn't not do it. You, Everybody who walked by you that day, even though they weren't ready to trust in a hug, they were impacted by, by what you were doing just by seeing that sign. So you did have a positive effect on people. Uh, so it, it's really, it, it sounds very simple, a hug. Um, but it's very, very powerful. Yeah, those are beautiful stories. Thank you for sharing them. And how, so you started this movement. You didn't probably know exactly what you were starting when you did that very first hug session, but you now have people all over the world that are doing this, that are following you. How did the movement spread um, to that level? Well, originally it was me doing a lot of emailing and asking different organizations that I thought would be aligned to it. And then on Positive Focus, I was just spreading kindness and pictures and things like that. So once I went on to the Facebook, I was able to, of course, reach more people. But it's really through the process. I mean, free hugs has changed my life as far as it's made me more open. But really what it did for me was to show that people need connection and and the ability to quickly share with a stranger um, eye contact, a quick hug and a smile. I hundreds and hundreds, I mean, I've given out thousands and thousands of hugs over nine years, but 
almost every single time you hear people walking away, that made my day, or they're on the phone saying, I just went through a free hug line. And so it's really about, I, I'm a firm believer, if you feel connected, whether it's with one person or 50 people, um, you're less likely to do harm to yourself or others. It's when we feel disconnected and alone is when we tend to get into spaces of harm. Mm, interesting. Tell me about this um, Positivity Travel Club that you started. This is a new thing, but also very cool. Oh, so because of hugs, I've always would, I email back and forth with the global huggers. So some of them, especially with Facebook, I've gotten to know. So I've always thought it'd be so fun to go hug in different areas and actually be the one in a different community, in a different country hugging. So one of my other global huggers, Loretta, she is actually a travel agent. So we got our heads together thinking we both love to travel. We both love hugs to start a embrace the world tour. Once a year, we're going to go to a new location. A lot of it's going to be vacation with just fun people like Loretta and I, a little positivity training, but mostly it'll be to experience wherever we are in the world. And Loretta and I are going to offer free hugs like this trip is going to be 10 days in Croatia and seven days is on a cruise. So every day we're in a new port, Loretta and I will do some free hugs there and our guests are allowed to join us or they don't have to. But moving forward after this one, I would like to start doing any of our trips um, to have a service element. Like this one's gonna have free hugs as a service element. But I would like to in the future be able to, you know, whether maybe next time we go to Costa Rica, and we volunteer for an afternoon in something in Costa Rica to help an organization. Uh, it's probably going to be a lot more work than I'm thinking it's going to be, but I really, I'm, I'm passionate about service and learning about people. So the more I can ingrain myself into whatever, wherever we're going to learn something about them and help them um, is part of the Embrace the World Tours. Well, that sounds amazing. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely post um, links to your website and to, to your tour page on my website, too. Um, but I have a positivity question for you. Is being positive the same thing as being happy? That's a great question. And I would have to say, hmm, I, I believe so, yes. I, I think you can, I think people could think that they're being happy, um, without being positive, but I think if you really check into your feelings, you know, like sometimes you can get into a discussion or an argument with somebody and you're really passionate about it. So you kind of feel like you're happy, but it's, it's truly not. Mm -hmm. um, I also think it's important for people to realize for myself, uh, you mentioned before we went live here about Dr. Wayne Dyer. I think it's so unrealistic for people to think you have to be positive all the time. I certainly am not, and uh, I do, I'm conscious of it, I'm aware of it, and I work on it daily because it's the work I do to focus on being positive, but I certainly every day have negative thoughts. I have unkind thoughts every day. You know, they're usually not massively big ones, but if I'm looking in the mirror thinking, oh, you look really tired today, that's kind of an unkind thought. So um, it, it certainly does happen. I, I think one of the things that is important to me is for people to realize being positive does not mean you've stepped out of reality. It does mean that you're looking at reality with compassion and kindness and love. 
Uh, there's definitely things going on in our world today that does not put me in a positive frame of mind. But because I'm such a believer of my power of my mind, what I focus on, I create more of. So if I'm focusing on the tragedies in the world, the heartache in the world, I am, I am adding to that energy of tragedy and heartache. If I'm focusing on the helpers in, in those tragic situations, or also focusing on there are 8 billion people in the world and a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of them are creating havoc. So why not focus on so many of the people who, who are doing kind things in the world, who are just going about their day and living and not creating um, harm for others. So I really like to showcase the good things that are going on in the world while sending some love and compassion to the areas that are in, in challenge. Yeah, that, that was a great explanation. Thank you. I'm glad I asked that question. You're welcome. I have another one. Um, so, yeah, okay. This show is called uh, Ready, Set, Grit. Grit. Grit is an important word to me. And, um, you know, it means, of course, like sticking with something and, and having a, sh a sheer determination to do whatever it is you're aiming to do. But, you know, life, life doesn't always cooperate or, or we get those lessons that may not be welcome. So when it happens to you, like when you have challenges or when things aren't going well, like do you, how do you deal with it? Or do you just want to like pull the covers over your head sometimes and stay in bed? Or um, what, what are some tips for people that might be entering into or in the middle of uh, some difficult times? That would be a yes and a yes. Uh, so I, I think it's important because, like, when I started Positive Focus and here my mission, you know, is to spread global positivity, that is a mission I absolutely love and want. And yet at the same time, it's like, who do you think you are to do that? So that, again, goes back to why I work so much on worthiness with people and um, to stay, like, worthy people have challenges in their life worthy people have contrasts in their life but a lot of times when you're feeling less than that challenge just you know it brings you to your knees because you you're not looking at it as a growing experience now as we discussed earlier it obviously depends on how big of a situation it is if it's something that's really hard like maybe you just lost your job or your spouse has just said I want a divorce you know, something big like that, you know, it, there is the why me, how did this happen, stay in bed. So I think it's important to know the impact of it, to be gentle with yourself in the process of it, allow yourself to feel sad, allow yourself to feel mad, allow yourself to feel frustrated, but don't act upon your anger because then you're perpetuating it and growing more of it. So it really is baby steps and gentleness and compassion for yourself. And for me, my, my biggest tool that I use in my life is appreciation. I start my morning thinking about what I appreciate um, while I'm looking up. I work from home and while I'm looking out the windows, it's a beautiful sunny day in Chicago right now. And so I'm appreciating the green trees out there and the wind blowing in them. Um, so I am hyper aware of appreciation. And when 
because of the practice, and Ellen, I think it's so important for people to realize it is a practice. The, the example I use all the time is if I could go to the gym one day and become physically fit, I would be so excited. But this is like you're exercising your positivity muscles, and it, it requires you to continually do it. Um, it's easy to be happy, kind, and positive when things are going well. So it, it takes a little bit more um, grit, as you like to say, to stay in that space when things are of a challenge. So it's really be gentle with yourself, know it's a process, and to appreciate your way through it. Mm, I like that. Appreciate your way through it. That's that's a good phrase. I might have to adopt that. Go right ahead. <laughs> it's lovely. Um, so you said that you've always been a positive person most of your life or all of your life. Is there any advice, looking back, is there any advice that you would offer your, say, your 20-year-old self, your younger self? Uh, that's a great question, and I've had that asked before, and I think I have a different answer than most people expect. Because, again, everything that I went through in my 20s and 30s is brought me to who I am today. So I don't think I would give myself advice. With that said, um, my advice would be to just be gentle. Like you said, in the moment, at that moment, we're, we're doing the best we can. Does it mean that we can't enhance later? Um, absolutely not. But in the moment, we're doing the best we can. So I, I really, I'm a big proponent on being gentle with yourself and others rather than jumping to a conclusion on why something happened, you know, be soft about it. Mm, yep, that's that's brilliant, Carol. Thank you. And can I give one more tip that I, I like to use with people? Yes, I was just going to ask you if you had any more tips. How did you know? <laughs> Maybe I'm psychic, too. Maybe. Uh, so a tip that, and again, again, for me, I'm very word sensitive. So I really do like to use gentle and kind and compassionate words. And a lot of people are focusing on improving themselves or bettering themselves. Well, if you believe you're in this moment, you're making the right decision for you now, um, I believe right where you are right now is absolutely fine. So if I say um, you can improve yourself to for me, it sounds like I'm saying that this was wrong, so improve it. So I like to use um, the word enhance uh, rather than improve, enhance, because I'm already good and I'm going to enhance myself with further education, learning, um, being more compassionate, being more loving and kind. So it's really more about enhancing rather than improving. Oh, I like that word. And I love that you said that you are uh, word sensitive, I think is how you put it. Yeah, because um, I've never heard that term before, but it makes perfect sense to me. And, you know, especially given what you teach and talk about and live, um, it's it's really the perfect way to describe the importance of words. Well, and words are powerful, but the power behind words is it's how they make you feel. And there are certain words that people try to change out to have a, a new meaning However, it still has a historical meaning to certain words. That So words do have their own energy, even if you don't take that word with that negative connotation. It still has that energy with it. So um, I, I just happen to be a, a word-sensitive person. So there's certain words that other people use as empowering, and I, I don't find them empowering. So 
I don't use them. Mm, very interesting. Well, Carol, we're almost out of time. Um, I will ask you if you have any final thoughts or favorite quotes or anything you want to leave us with. Um, this has been fantastic. I wish I had a three-hour podcast, but I don't. So <laughs> um, anything, any last words? I think my last words would be just to be gentle with yourself and to remember that you really are doing the best you can in the moment and then you're going to be able to enhance from there. But to life is all about experiences, one experience after the other. And the more that you can be find the appreciation in the challenging ones compared to the good ones, the, the easier it's going to be. I, I haven't said it, but what I call my coaching is to help heighten celebrations and lessen sorrows through a positive focus. Ooh, those are other good words. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Carol. I'm a word that's person, Ellen, I'm a word person. <laughs> I can tell. That, yeah, that's perfect. To heighten celebrations and lessen sorrows. That's beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing everything that um, you have shared with us today. And thanks for the virtual hug and, um, and for all that you do. I really appreciate you being here. And thank you all for listening to today's show. My guest was Carol Miller. She's a positivity consultant and is the founder of Positive Focus. You can find this complete interview and links to Carol's website and social media pages on our website, readysetgrit.com. Thanks again for joining us and tune in again next Friday when we release another episode with tips on how to turn your daydream into a phenomenal success. Thanks for tuning in to Ready, Set, Grit, your life on purpose with Ellen Barton. Look us up online at readysetgrit.com where you'll find daily inspiration, links to our social media, and where you can access our eBooks and online classes. Ready, Set, Grit, inspired actions, real results.